Hello and welcome to Pickleball Therapy, the podcast dedicated to your pickleball improvement. My name is Tony Roy. I am your host, as well as a senior pro pickleball player and a master teaching professional, which happens to be the highest accreditation offered by the IPTPA, meaning I'm serious about pickleball and helping you improve as a player. This week's podcast, we're going to be talking about a couple of subjects that I think you'll find super interesting. Number one, we're going to be talking about how to evaluate your play in terms of ability to withstand stress and ability to impart stress. It's a really interesting way of thinking about pickleball, and it might help you, um, you know, focus in on what's important to your game. And then in the riff, I'm going to talk about tennis, tennis and pickleball. It just seems like the the uh, you know, despite our best efforts not to um, you know, interfere with pickleball or tennis players with pickleball. It seems to be a recurring theme. And I just want to address that briefly in the riff on this week's podcast. Before we jump into the podcast, I want to invite you to join us for the 2023 Pickleball Summit. It is going to be at the end of June. So it's about a month away. Uh, it's a free event, but you need to get your ticket. The tickets will become available at the beginning of June. So be on the lookout for those. If you're on our email list, you'll get uh, notified uh, very early about the about the summit. You'll get uh, a chance to get your tickets right away before the tickets go out of style, if you know what I mean. So uh, make sure you're on our email list and get notified of the summit. It's going to be amazing. We have 30 presenters. We did one of the interviews to, to more than 30. We did one of the interviews today with Jim Ramsey, who's the official statistician of the PPA. Really interesting statistics and uh, all the presentations are aimed to help you improve your game. There's definitely something in there for you. Before we jump into the podcast, I wanted to make a quick note. The audio in last week's podcast was less than we'd hoped for. We were trying something a little bit different with a different setup on a microphone and uh, working at the board. It didn't work out quite as planned. So what we're going to do this week is we're back to our regular, regular um, capture, regular recording system. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to do a short form video that we're going to put put out on the Pickleball, Ther Pickleball Therapy YouTube channel that you can go watch if you want to get some more visual ideas of what we're talking about this week. But if you want to get the entire feel of it, then make sure you continue listening to this podcast. As a pickleball coach, I, I often reflect on the game, right? So I sit there and I think about the game from different kind of angles, different ways of thinking about it. Part of it's statistics, like I mentioned about the summit coming up and and Jim Ramsey does the same thing with statistics. But, you know, we look at, you know, what really matters in the game. You know, last time we talked about marginal advantages and that's a really good way of framing out the game and and your your work, what you, what you should focus on. But another way that might be helpful to you is to think about the game as having two parts and more specifically you as a player as having two different sides to your game. One side is how well can you withstand stress? And then the other side of your game is how well can you impart stress? And what I'm going to do is I'm going to take this in two parts. This week, I'm going to talk about resisting stress and getting it, you know, going into depth into that a little bit to give you some specific ideas of how you can improve that part of your game. And then next week's podcast, I'll dive into imparting stress and what I mean by that and and uh, and give you some specific tips then that you can uh, you can bring into your game to try and help you impart stress to your opponents. So let's talk this week first about what it means to resist stress and think about stress you know think about stress as being the the um, the, the factor that defines who wins the rally. So if your team is overcome by the stress imparted onto it, you're going to lose a rally. If your, other, if your opponent is overcome by the stress of the rally, then you will win the rally. So 
think of stress that way as meaning not like stress. I mean, not that they're not related because they are or they can be. But it's not what I'm talking about stress about, you know, I'm running late for a meeting or something like that. We're talking about the stress that is applied in a, in a game. It's the same thing that would happen like if you apply stress to, say, like a piece of wood or a brick or something like that. Eventually it breaks. The same thing happens in a rally where, you know, stress is resisted and, and applied uh, until the rally ends. And if you look at, you know, like a, one of those really, really good pro pickleball points, what ends up happening is there's a lot of um, stress applied, stress resisted. Then maybe they flip the script and start applying stress. The other team has to resist. They have to defend. And eventually, you know, one of the sides gives in, right? Breaks under the stress and the rally ends. So what I want to focus on this week is the side of the, of the and, and, and before we get into that, every rally has two pieces to it, right? You have the imparting of stress, and sometimes it can be imparted indirectly, which we're going to talk about. And then you have the resistance of stress. And sometimes you're resisting stress that's applied by yourself. And sometimes it's resisting stress applied by your opponent. So it can get pretty deep. But this week, what I want to do is I want to focus more on the resisting stress. And next week, we'll switch over to imparting stress. Resisting stress means that you are able to withstand the stresses that are imparted onto you during a pickleball rally. That can start as simply as with the serve. And simply, I don't mean simply, I don't mean to make light of it, right? Make it sound like it's, uh, you know, not important. It is important and it can be stressful to serve. But if you think about it in the context of a pickleball rally, it's the least stressful thing that occurs during the rally because you have the most control over it. Um, so when you think about stress that way, what you can think about is you can say, all right, how able am I to withstand the stress of the different parts of a rally and start with the serve? The stress of the serve is what? I need to get it from where it is in my hand, right? I need to hit it with this paddle and I need to get it into the into the rectangle diagonal opposite me where it needs to land. That's a stressful event, right? There's some stress associated with that. So you, you look at it and you say, how well can I resist that stress? How well can I handle that stress in order to properly execute the shot? Then you start, you, then you go on to the next shot, right? And let's say I stick with the serve team. The next shot coming your way is the return of serve coming towards you. Now you have to hit what? You have to hit a third shot, right? So how well can you withstand that stress, right? How well can you withstand the stress of different types of returns of serve? Can you withstand the stress of a high and deep return of serve or a low and hard and spinning return of serve versus a short return of serve, right? All different types of returns of serve. How well can you handle that stress that's, in, that's imparted on you by your opponents? Then you have the next shot will be uh, some sort of a fifth shot you'll be hitting. It might be another sort of reset by you, type of reset. It could be an attack shot by your opponents. It could be all sorts of shots being hit the other, coming the other way, right? So then you look at it that way and you start saying to yourself, how well can I resist the different shots that are coming my way? For example, I hit the, me or my partner hit a third shot that's a little bit high, a little bit deep, and is getting smashed, right? So I'm getting ready to defend that shot. How well am I able to resist that pressure coming back at me, right? That stress coming back at me. The better I am at resisting stress, right? The better I am at defending, if you want to frame it out that way as well. Defending is a form of stress. Um, it's one aspect, I should say, of stress resistance because another aspect is just executing your shot, which is not really technically defense. It's simply mechanics, right? The mechanical pillar of pickleball. So being able to execute my shots, being able to resist pressures being applied to me by my opponents, being able to resist pressures applied to me, stresses applied to me by conditions, wind, sun, right? Things like that, you know, uh, stress from the score, right? Uh, my opponent's looking at me funny, whatever. Those types of stresses. How well can I withstand those stresses? And when you think about it that way, you can start looking for areas in your game 
where perhaps there are, there are areas that you could improve your ability to withstand stress. One way that you can withstand stress better is to take the net out of play. This is a specific tip that you can, it's an actionable tip that you can start using right now. You can simply take the net out of play. What I mean by that is you will hit your shots in such a way that you will give yourself a plenty of clearance over the net so that the net doesn't impact your strokes. What you're doing then is you are increasing your resistance to stress. The net is a stressor on the court, right? It's a limiter. It's a so just like the out-of-bounds lines. All those things are stressors. They are things that constrain what you're able to do. The easiest one to remove initially is the net. Focusing on clearing the net by sufficient margin will then remove that stress or reduce that stress from your shots, making you better able to withstand the stress of different types of shots coming your way. And so when you start thinking about your game, think about areas of your game that, you know, that put you in a bad spot, right? Maybe it's a wide dink, maybe it's a lob cover, maybe it's, you know, dealing with hard shots, uh, maybe it's bangs at your body, right? That maybe you should let go, you know, let those go out of bounds. That's the best way of resisting that stress. Um, you know, so think about different types of shots, different types of situations that cause you grief, right? That cause you stress, cause you pain, and see if there's areas that are, pick the areas that give you the biggest amount of stress and that cause the biggest number of problems in your game. For example, let's assume you have difficulty with your return of serve. And again, this is not making light of it. It's, it's perfectly fine. A lot of players have difficulty with their return of serve. But if you have a difficulty with your return of serve, that's going to be a pretty high stress point that you can try and deal with first. Because if you can't get past the return of serve, then you're not able to hit a four shot, a six shot, or any other shots during the rally because the return of serve was missed. So that's an area where you can say, you know what? My ability to withstand stress is breaking down early in the rally. And you always want to pick the earliest point of the rally, right? Because the first objective is to make rallies last longer, is to hit more shots. So you look at the earliest point in the rally where your game is breaking down. That's where you're not able to withstand stress successfully. Focus on that area of the game and then you keep on increasing the, your stress resistance. What happens then is you may not win the rally, but you're not going to lose the rally. And as CJ and I are fond of saying, you, you know, the first thing you need to do in order to win a rally is not lose the rally. So as you increase your resistance to losing, right, what, what's going to happen is this. For most of you, or many, many of you, I'd probably say most of you, I'd venture to say most of you, what will happen is, by simply extending the rally longer than you have now, longer than you can now, you will win more rallies. And you're going to win more rallies because your opponents are unable to continue the rally with you. Their stress resistance isn't particularly good either. Meaning the, the next shot and the next shot and the next shot and the next shot that they're forced to hit, eventually they just break down and they hit it into the net or they hit it wide or long. They simply miss the shot. You haven't done anything fancy on your end, meaning your stress imparting, right? This, the part we're going to talk about next week hasn't necessarily improved, but your stress resistance has improved to the point where you become like, you know, like the player who's the wall. Ball always comes back. Ball always comes back. Ball always comes back again. That's the first step to playing really, really amazing pickleball to playing your best, or you want to look at it this way, better pickleball, right? Would be to increase your resistance to making errors. And you do that by increasing the amount of stress that you can handle when the ball's coming your way. Next week, I'm going to touch on imparting uh, stress, but for now, let's focus on resisting stress 
and finding those spots in your game where your game starts to break down again early in the rally better. Focus on those and try and improve those. And as you improve that and become the wall, you'll simply win more rallies by extending them and doing nothing fancy in addition to that. Um, in the riff, I'm going to talk about tennis and some of the comments that we've been getting recently. You know, we've gotten them for a while, but I, I think it's worth touching on because it's something that continues to be an issue. And I just wanted to address it in a way that helps you as a pickleball player uh, deal with it when invariably if you're playing in an area where you're overlapping with tennis courts and there's tennis players who are unhappy about it, you can have a constructive conversation uh, with them about the problem. So that's what I want to talk about and stay tuned for the riff. As we get into the riff, we're going to be talking about the impact of pickleball on tennis. One thing that jumps out at me is the fact that a lot of us play pickleball in tennis shoes. Now, Technically, there's nothing wrong with playing pickleball in tennis shoes. Now, don't be playing pickleball in jogging shoes and things like the walking shoes, jogging shoes, hiking shoes. No. Tennis shoes, they're within the realm of what's acceptable to play pickleball. But I would suggest to you, if you're not sure, go with pickleball shoes. That's what CJ and I do. We wear a Tyrell pickleball shoes. That's the only shoe specifically designed for pickleball by a company that only makes pickleball shoes. So we don't mess around with that and we go with Tyrol and that's how we protect our feet, our legs, our hips and our back. Uh, you can get a, use the code BP, so like better pickleball, BP10 at checkout and you'll get a discount from our friends at Tyrol. All right, let's talk a little bit about the continuing, um, you know, rubbing between tennis and pickleball. I am a former tennis player, so I don't have any, uh, any ill will towards tennis players, uh, tennis players or the sport. I think it's a beautiful sport. I think if... Uh, if players enjoy playing tennis, they should by all means participate in that sport. But I am concerned about tennis players taking the position that pickleball players should basically butt out of their courts or not use their courts and make their own courts and things like that. It's a very egotistical, it's, it's childish actually. It's almost like, you know, talking to, you know, three-year-olds out there who's, you know, that toy is mine, you can't use it, even though they're not using it at that time. Um, and that's going to be a major point of the conversation today. And so what I wanted to do is, you know, we deal with it. We get comments. We have a, a video that, that it gets viewed a lot called how to play on a tennis court. And we get tennis players that come in there and they troll us about it. You know, last one was something like you guys are a menace and uh, something like that, you know, about how we're, you know, taking over the tennis courts. But here's the thing, right? A couple points. One, when pickleball players are on a tennis court, the tennis court by definition is not being used. I am not aware of any pickleball players going out to tennis courts and forcibly removing tennis players from those courts so that they can then they play pickleball. What I am familiar with are a lot of underutilized tennis courts in many communities, right? Taxpayer funded, and that's going to be the second point, right? Facilities that are just sitting there, right? They're, they're, being, they're going to waste, they're getting deteriorated, no one's on them. Instead, we could have, you know, one tennis court easily. You could have eight pickleball players having a good time and, you know, getting an exercise, et cetera. So when a, when a tennis player complains about using tennis courts, my first retort is that tennis court had to have been empty in order for it to be used by a pickleball player. And my second retort is if it's a public facility, right, who paid for that court? I'm pretty sure I did, just like you did. We both paid for the court. Now, I'm not opposed to having dedicated pickleball courts built. I'm a fan of that. And if you want to help me as a tennis player get that done, let's do it. But in the meantime, don't deny me as a pickleball player the ability to enjoy the sport that I want to participate in 
simply because of the possibility that you may decide to come at some later point during the day or the week to use a court that otherwise sits empty. So, you know, the idea of the courts being empty when they're being used, because again, we're not forcibly removing anybody, and the idea that those courts are community courts, if they're public, and if they're private, then you're, you're a member of the club, they're a member of the club, I'm assuming you pay the same fees that they do to be a member of the club. Uh, and if you're using the courts, you're paying maybe a, a user fee to use the court. So it's a level field, right? Um, you know, so I think having that ready for yourself when you get into a situation with a tennis player will help. You know, at the end of the day, I think it, this is a function of living in a community, you know, living and let live, you know, allowing others to participate in the sports that they choose to participate in without, um, without advocating against them. Again, nothing against tennis players advocating for more tennis courts if they need them or for advocating for their sport. The problem I have is when they try and tear down pickleball players, they try and tear down a, a sister sport. And if you want to go deep on this, give some thought to the fact that te the tennis that tennis players play is not the original tennis. If you look historically, the original tennis was only enjoyed by the nobles back in the day, back in the 1500s or so in England and in France primarily. And they were not, it was not played by the, by the, even by the middle class. What the tennis that these players play is, is something that was later formulated called lawn tennis, which at the time was viewed a lot like these tennis players view pickleball. In other words, the, the players who played royal or real tennis looked down their nose at those who played lawn tennis. Well, when's the last time you saw a real tennis game or a royal tennis game? Nobody plays it anymore, right? The closest thing would be a padel game, which has played some parts of the world. But, you know, you don't see it that, that, that often because lawn tennis was more accessible and more players could enjoy it. Yeah, sounds like pickleball, doesn't it? So pickleball, much more accessible to the players and, and just easier to play, smaller facility required, et cetera. So, you know, it's a normal kind of throws kind of thing that's happening with tennis players uh, objecting to it. But, you know, wanted to give you some, some perspective so that if you get into a situation with a tennis player, you have some ammo that you have available to you to have a constructive conversation with them without getting into a heated argument over, you know, what shouldn't have to be a heated argument. All right, that's this week's podcast. If you enjoyed it, as always, please rate and review it. It really helps us. If you're on Apple, giving it a review really helps boost the podcast um, placement. Uh, so if you enjoy the podcast and you want other players to be able to reach the podcast, uh, giving it a rating really helps. And as always, please share it with your friends. If you enjoyed the podcast, they probably will too. Join us next week where we're going to be talking about imparting stress. You're really going to enjoy that. And as always, have a great week, and we'll see you next time.